0: Resilience research has been going on for decades and surged after World War II. With the focus on resilience after crises, we can better understand what makes us vulnerable or strong when faced with adversity. We have been deep in this global pandemic that has tested the resilience of all areas of our lives, from finances, relationships, health, coping, to even just facing ourselves. We have been confronted. There is no better time to midwife our sacred stories as anecdotal evidence to uncover resilience strategies in the studies of our lives. Storytelling transforms polarization to compassion. A story opens hearts, empowers, and inspires. It sparks hope and deepens wisdom. We are the hypothesis, the research, and the answer. Shared stories are the universal medicine in our journey toward collective optimal resilience. I bring to you the I Am Resilient podcast. The I Am Resilient podcast brings you stories of resilience, research, and insights from across the globe with the goal to educate people about resilience so that they can cultivate resilience consciously and overcome life's challenges to live with meaning, purpose, and strength. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I had the privilege of sitting down with Sabrina Chiviotz. She explains that resilience is within us, and she shares with us her beautiful, heartfelt story. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. So, Sabrina, welcome to the I Am Resilient podcast. It is such a gift to have you here today to share your wisdom and your inspiration And for those of you who don't yet know you, will you introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: I will, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you today. Um, So my name is Sabrina Chivietz. I am a counselor and um, I started my practice about a year ago, just went straight into private practice after completing a year counseling diploma during COVID was its own gift to me um, to have that time and really the space to figure out what I wanted to do in the next stage of my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. So, in addition to counseling one-on-one, I do that in person and virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, I am working towards setting up another business, which just really focuses in all different types of healing modalities and resources for women who you know are experiencing other. Um, challenges in their lives. So uh, I'm working right now toward my Reiki um, master's certificate. So I've completed level one and just furthering my education down that road of, you know, speaking with people in different ways I can help them feel their emotional and physical trauma.
0: Wow. That is really inspiring to hear because it sounds. Uh, counseling and practice modalities of healing are becoming so much more integrated with one another. And I think it's really a call to what is needed. So I'm really excited that you're sharing that and that you're just answering the call. And I'm curious to know, usually the first question I ask people is what do you think makes people resilient?
1: Mm, such a great question. Um, I, I tend to think that that resiliency is something that we have within us. Um, it, it, you know, everybody has that ability to be resilient, and and we see that every day with people who are experiencing such challenging things in their lives, whether it be, you know, extreme poverty here in Canada, or we're seeing, you know, people in in war-stricken countries across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so i really think it's innate within us it's just a matter of really tapping into what that looks like for each individual person
0: Mm, that's really beautifully said and i can imagine you and your counseling practice bringing out these strengths in people just honoring that innate resilience and sometimes i think that's exactly what is needed
1: Absolutely. I I think one of the things that I am often pointing out to the people I'm working with is really our body's ability to survive in any circumstance, right? That survival instinct that kicks in and that will protect us from whatever it is that we're dealing with. Uh... And so, um, you know, how, rather than people viewing their you know, dysregulated nervous system, their anxiety as a negative thing, we can reflect on like, why did that develop? And what is it actually protecting me from? And am I ready now to start to sort of peel back the layers and really work through those things? Or will my survival mechanisms kick in again and say, you know what, we're not ready for that right now. And that's okay, too, you know, accepting all parts of yourself.
0: Mm, That is huge. That is, you know, such a huge topic. I think classically, you know, we came from this place of ignoring the cues. And then over time, you know, we became aware of the cues, but now a lot of them are just known as mental illness. And now when we start to dig a little bit deeper and understand why we have those bodily cues, I feel like we can find our innate goodness and our care so beautiful. So I'm really happy you're pointing that out to us, the listeners, as well as the people in your practice, because there's no, there's no shame or guilt to be had for, you know, protecting ourselves from personal threat. Um, You just say that so, so beautifully. And yeah, I bet you see that a lot in your practice. And um, I think that that awareness brings incredible empowerment which allows for transformation.
1: Absolutely. And I think even that awareness, right? Having having the awareness is, is beautiful and it's wonderful, but really it's taking that step further. And that's what I'm doing with clients every day is like, what can you do about that awareness? And I think we all have that struggle. I'm the first one to throw up my hand and say like, I'm human too. I have my own challenges and it is, you know, being really diligent and consistent with, those awareness tools of like, oh, okay, I see this happening as a pattern in my life. How, how am I going to go about fixing that? Or what do I need to change in order to make this get a little bit smaller every day? Because, you know, I recognize that in counseling also is that maybe our, our past challenges, our traumas, our, our programming and those limiting beliefs, they might not ever entirely go away, but the work that we put in allows them to just be a bit, you know, I like to say sort of hang out in the back seat instead of the front seat.
0: Mm, yeah, that mm-hmm. is really powerful. Oh, it's so amazing. And I I just picture you in your counseling practice providing tools that, you know, people otherwise wouldn't come to. And I'm just wondering what the greatest tool um, is that you practice for your own resilience?
1: Mm, that's a good question. Um, you know i i would say it's sort of a combination of a number of things and re- at the beginning for me when i went down my own journey of self discovery and self growth really just taking that time to connect with myself was important and at the beginning i really struggled with doing a journaling practice or even meditating you know because i was also so dysregulated so it was a matter of just actually getting quiet Spending time in nature, I think, is where the biggest shift happened for me.
0: Mm.
1: And even if I'm out there with my son, you know, in the forest, there's something really magical about just being grounded in that energy that allows you to, I guess, sort of filter through the noise Mm. and start to figure out what it is that you really want in your life. Wow.
0: That is, I mean, that's huge because it moves you from a state of just coping with the moment to this larger picture and being able to navigate the world and your, your existence on this planet. Do you feel like when you do those practices, you gain a more zoomed out perspective?
1: I definitely do. I, I feel like that just really allows me to get in touch with what's happening around me. And, and I think sort of like let the dust settle And then what I was able to do because of my practices in nature, I was then able to be a bit more comfortable with myself and tap into some other things like journaling as an example, Um, really allowing myself to write down my thoughts and not have any shame or judgment around what I was feeling or experiencing at that time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that really sort of takes you out as well and allows you to, you know, sort of see the forest through the trees so to speak.
0: Yeah, when I think about that, it's such a it's such a beautiful way to kind of process your own life and your own challenges when you get out in nature, you're in this, you know, divine Incredibly vibrant and just naturally ebbing and flowing space. And then when you're journaling, you're sort of mentally metabolizing whatever it is you're going through. And I find, at least when I'm feeling dysregulated or like I'm going into fight or flight, my vision becomes so narrow and the time span of my concentration is so focused on the now and the second to second. Whereas when I'm journaling or I'm in nature, It's almost like I can take this holistic view of the situation and see it um, sort of objectively. And I'm curious to know, um, to practice resilience with nature and journaling, did you say you came to nature first to help with regulation? Or was your um, coming to these tools really natural and organic?
1: I think that coming to nature was very natural and organic for me, and it really started when I moved to the island. Um, I'm from Alberta originally, and I came to visit when I was a a young teenager, and I felt at that point like this was home for me, like the West Coast. Wow. And so when we moved here, my son was only six months, and I joined a hiking group, a mom's hiking group. And that was when I really started to notice, like when I spend time in nature, I feel really good.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: it evolved from there of being a really natural calling to be, you know, in the beach or sorry, on the beach or, you know, out in the forest. And then my son got a little bit older and I sort of saw the magic in him that we would go to you know Mount Doug even and he's just he the minute he gets on the trail something lights up in him that I've never seen before and so then we both connected to that together and it just became a really natural evolution of how we spent our time as he was growing up oh
0: my goodness I have the biggest smile just thinking about that moment of his eyes lighting up and pointing to you know a bug or a leaf or something like that and I think on Is so infectious in so many ways. Like when we point out the awe in something around us and we slow down and we look at it, other people start to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it is so healing to just be in this space of reverence for what is around us and, you know, the bigger world. Um, And I think it will be healing for the planet too. So, oh, I just, I love hearing that story. It's really really beautiful and children are such gurus in that way
1: oh they are and you know it's so interesting too when you get out into a like a really amazing hike on the wandafuka or something that you feel really small like not in a bad way but you know when you're meditating you're sort of in that I am just energy and I'm part of the, this like greater part of the universe. That's what I think the feeling that comes so naturally of being in the forest is, or being, you know, on the beach and you're by a beautiful waterfall is just, you really get this sense that you're part of something so much greater than yourself. And that's really grounding in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's almost like we feel this unconditional reciprocity, like nature, Con- continues to provide in this sort of trustworthy and um, abundant and just simple way. And it feels so safe, you know, when the rest of the world is changing so quickly and in, in unpredictable ways, it feels so safe to just tune into what's actually happening around us. And yeah, remember that we are small.
1: Absolutely.
0: Wow, that is wonderful. And then you came to journaling a little bit later, or have you always been
1: a journaler? No, I, I was never a journaler. I have definitely tried throughout my life to, you know, to use that practice and really understand why it's important, um, but it wasn't probably until even the last couple of years that I've really built a consistent practice around it, and now I'm, I journal almost every single morning, Wow. Yeah, and and that is evolved into, you know, really being in gratitude and understanding what it means for your life to actually connect to your gratitude and the feeling around that gratitude. Mm. Was mm-hmm. it hard
0: for you to go from practicing gratitude to actually feeling gratitude because I know for a lot of people, for me even, it took a lot of time to start to tune into what I was grateful for and then allow myself to feel it. It's like, it's like a subtle shift happened for me. And it took a lot of intention to really sit in the feeling of gratitude. But when I did, I found that I was living gratitude. Like gratitude is always accessible, um, which is really beautiful.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I think when I first started learning about gratitude, you know, I would do the three things I'm grateful for, but I I didn't connect it to that feeling. And it wasn't until I started to really understand energy that, and I, I think that's always been how my brain works, is I need to understand sort of the science behind it
0: mm, for me yeah. to
1: apply it to my life. And that's why I really, really enjoyed all the psychology courses that I took in counseling because I was like, oh, okay, I I see it now. I can put it all together. And so, yeah, when I really started to understand how the feeling of gratitude is is very much just an, an energy vibration, then it made sense for me to go, okay, I'm really grateful for this and it makes me feel this. And then I started to really, you know, just put my hand over my heart and deeply feel that. Um
0: mm, wow. And it sounds like you have really integrated this into your life through, you know, learning Reiki and healing and starting businesses around this energetic practice of transformation and of growth. And I think that's, it's very profound. And it obviously says that your practice has really benefited you. And um, I'm wondering if you are comfortable to do so. Do you have a story of your own resilience that you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: Yeah, I definitely am happy to touch on that a little bit. Um, I think my story of resiliency starts at a pretty young age, which I recognize for a lot of us does, you know, a lot of our stuff comes from childhood, most of our stuff comes from childhood. (laughs) Um, My mom passed away when I was two. And Mm. I um, grew up with my dad, who was a single dad, and my older brother, who's two years older than me. And it was always just a bit of a struggle. You know, I think back to my dad and how he must have really struggled with coping with that at such a young age. He was only 23 or 24 when my mom passed. Oh, wow. Yeah, with these two young kids and having to navigate that on his own, Um he struggled with a lot of addiction issues himself, and um, that really showed up in a lot of things for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I really, truly resonated with my mom's passing as something that created trauma for me. I, I always was of the mindset that I didn't really know her, so it wasn't a big deal, mm. <laughs> I say that now and it sounds so funny to say out loud, but whereas my brother did, you know, he was a bit older than I was when she passed. And so he had these very distinct memories of her, of the loss of her.
0: And so uh, I always like right that
1: wasn't a profound thing for me until I became a mom. And I really realized, holy moly, like all of the things that I didn't experience as a young child. And I think for a lot of that, I really just blocked it out, to be honest, the The mother's day experiences as a kid which of course just passed so i can i can reflect on those moments when i was in school and everyone was creating a gift for their mom and how yeah and so like many of us we learn from our parents that we don't we don't feel our emotions we don't talk about our emotions and while i will say my dad actually was quite good at talking about his emotions he demonstrated for me my whole life that it's easier just to numb them.
0: Mm.
1: And so that's what, what I did at starting at about 12, I went into, you know, various forms of numbing my emotions and I did that almost my entire life.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. And so, Yeah. yeah, it, it was, it was a struggle in that I didn't really ever feel any of my feelings until I became pregnant with my son. And then I started to feel
0: Wow what do you think the shift was when you became pregnant
1: well I think for me I had always had this intuitive knowing that when I brought a child into this world that it would cause me maybe not cause me is not even the right word it would motivate me to be to change to to face all of these things and so it was almost like that moment I knew there was such love growing inside of me for my son, but also, you know, feeling the love from this this little bundle of nerves at that point. Um, And it was just that, honestly, in its own, that I knew that I wanted a very different life for my son, for myself. And I wanted to be able to demonstrate to him all of the things that I didn't get to experience as a, a young girl,
0: right? Yeah, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. that is so powerful. So, what did you do?
1: Well, I at that point um, I was still with my my son's dad, and you know, it was just a journey of really starting to pay attention to how I felt and starting to learn how to ask for what I needed and that, you know, he is on his own path and doing his own work and I'm so proud of him. But at that time, you know, we really weren't able to come together and, and help one another, you know, meet our own needs, but come together as a couple. And so um, I continued just actually doing a little bit of therapy, but most of my work was done through various self-help books. Renee Brown, oh, wow. same as okay. one
0: of
1: my most yeah. reads, um, reading Gifts of Imperfection. And it was just so mind, mind-boggling and just life-changing, learning about shame and resiliency and how, you know, we're all taught at such a young age that that's just how things are. We live with all of the shame and we, we push it down and we brush it under the rug and it shows up in different ways for us mine showed up as chronic pain in my, um, sort of right sciatica. And it's still, it's still an issue for me today, slightly not, not so profound. Um, and so, yeah, I just continued on that journey until one day I literally felt, I felt like in the middle of the night, like somebody hit me with a two by four and it was, it was honestly as clear as day. Like The moment I woke up, that I was going to change my life from that second forward.
0: Wow! What do you think it was?
1: Well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I I didn't know at the at the time. I didn't really realize it until a little while later that that same day was the anniversary of my mom's passing. (gasps) Wow! Really. hills and I had seen some signs like out in the forest a raven kept like following me around at Mount Doug one day and then I found a four-leaf clover and my good friend um, who I will say also really contributed to a lot of my growth just talking to her and seeing the way she saw the world differently um, started pointing these things out to me that like I think something's happening for you and I was like oh yeah no I think you're right Um, and so when that happened it really, it prompted me for one, to start sort of overcoming the shame and sharing all of these secrets that i had been hiding. And that honestly, just like blew the lid off of my life. It was like, oh my God, it feels so freeing to actually talk to my friends, my cousin, my brother, about all of these things that are really affecting my life. And a few weeks later, I decided that in order to sort of move forward with the path that I needed to go on, that um, I needed to separate from my husband, and that was obviously a big challenge. We'd been together for 18 years.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and then a few months after that, my dad passed away.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm so, yeah. I mean, I'm so... I have so much empathy for you. I really
1: do. Thank you. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those times in your life where you look at the situation and I had a feeling, I I remember saying to my good friend, so I feel something, something bad is going to happen. I don't know what it is. And she was like, well, maybe you're just like worried about your son's birthday party. And I was like, it's, that's not it, but I feel it. Something's coming. And honestly, 10 days later he passed. Wow. And it was sudden, it was a surprise, but I think that was the moment of clarity where like the path for me is either to go back to my ex and I know, I knew in my heart that I didn't have the strength to continue to build on the tools to grow myself self-worth to, to be resilient if I didn't figure out how to do it on my own. Yeah, yeah. And so from that moment, that's when we actually decided to like split our residences and go on our own healing journeys. And I'm happy to say that we're great friends now and like co-parents, like I've never seen before, you know, put my son at the absolute forefront of every one of our decisions.
0: Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. And so not long after that, maybe seven or eight months after that is when the grief really hit me and... I got quite sick. It was right at the very beginning. Like COVID wasn't quite here yet. So it was February of 2020. And it was my body's way of telling me like I just needed to sit down Uh and deal with the feelings. You know, again, I wasn't numbing the way I had in the past, but maybe I picked up a couple of new numbing tools along the way. Right. And yeah, it was about six weeks that I was really learning I was having to learn the hard lesson because I can't you know the universe tells you many times over and over again until you learn it right Um,
0: yes
1: (laughs) unfortunately yes and so then COVID hit and it was like okay well now you really have to learn how to be alone like it's there's no choice yeah yeah oh
0: my goodness
1: and the growth from there has just been honestly exponential it was I you know I was continuing to see my counselor for another year. And that's when I was like, you know what, this is my path. I, I have this gift. I've always had this gift that I've ignored that is calling me to help people. And Mm. how can I do that in the best way possible? And that's when I went down the path of counseling.
0: Wow. That is, I mean, that story is so, so many levels. And for one, you have undergone, you know, this tremendous trauma and being so incredibly resilient through it, allowing yourself to know challenges involved, but you also have this incredible intuition that has shown you so much in your life, including where to go and where to leave. And... Wow, I'm just so blown away that you you also had these kind of impending feelings that you needed to to grow and move on from certain things and you know that life was going to give you some additional hardship through. Um,
1: mm.
0: Wow, I just I just find the stories that involve the pandemic and isolation, I think that makes things so much different, you know in people's grieving process. For one, it allows more space, but it also limits, um, you know, the support that's involved. And I'm sure at times you probably felt like your capacity was being stretched in so many ways. Um, and I just want to honor your strength in all of this. Like you, you are profoundly resilient. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful story. And now you're sharing this with the world and you're including these different modalities like Reiki and listening to oneself and empowerment and, and strength. You're really sharing what worked for you and cultivating that in your community. So, yeah, I just think that's really, really beautiful. And those synchronicities I love to hear about because um, I definitely point them out in my own environment. And I really believe that, um, you know, we are kind of divinely guided.
1: Yes, I believe that too. I really I think it I it probably again wasn't until I had my son that I started to tap into things like that. And now I'm really aware like to the to this point that my I get the head tingles and like it's like a spidey sense sometimes about what's gonna happen or things that I need to pay attention to. And I'm I'm starting to finally trust that that is part of my path, right? That I need to really honor that and start to dive deeper into what that means. And so I am, I'm furthering my education down that path as well. Um, and I'm really excited about it. And it really, it comes down to trusting yourself. And that I think has been one of my really core life lessons because of everything I experienced as a child and, with my, you know, my mom passing away and my dad being an alcoholic and is really learning to trust, trust other people that, you know, not everybody is going to leave me or um, abandon me for their own, you know, in, in my dad's case, like his own pain caused him to abandon us in a lot of ways. And so then I also need to learn to trust myself because I did ignore that for so many years. I literally did everything I could to turn off my intuition. Mm. And so now I, I really am trying to go the complete opposite way of like trust it all the time and know that it's there to you know, guide you.
0: Wow. Yeah. And it's almost like, I don't know if you experienced this, um, but you talked a little bit about shame and the way that we kind of like numb our, our feelings and we stuff our shame down and we we do other things to cover up for our own desire to feel needed and comfortable and safe. And mm-hmm. I find that the further I get away from shame and the more in line with my integrity I get, the more of that intuition actually kicks in. And everything just feels so incredibly aligned at that point. And it's not even about honoring needs anymore. It's, it's over and above that. And that's one thing that I didn't expect in my own practice around shame and, and guilt, because that's a, that's also a common theme from my childhood and I'm curious to know if you've made connections around this or or if you have anything else to share about about shame and resilience because I think it's so common most people feel this state of unworthiness right now and I think the isolation
1: actually makes it worse. I I absolutely agree with you and I, I think a lot of it comes from this for me, this understanding that we as people, have all of these needs that go unmet, right? And and we don't learn as children from our caregivers um, that those needs are important to be met. You know, as a, as a child, it's our parents' job to meet all of those needs. And recognizing that most of them are just doing the best that they can with the tools that they have and they've learned in their life. Um, but when it, when it comes to sort of your cognitive ability to understand what's happening for you as a child, you don't, you don't really understand that like mom and dad have to work two jobs because they need to put food on the table. You don't have that ability to make that connection. You can hear the words, but what you feel and what you hear is I'm not worthy of having my caregiver spend time with me.
0: Right, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's where that shame really starts to kick in, right? It's like you have this need for understanding and knowledge and, you know, creativity and acceptance and appreciation. And when we don't get those as a young child, it builds this huge void in us that we then start to seek it out in other ways as we grow up because we're just we're all just children in these adult bodies trying to get our needs met, right?
0: Oh, you're so right. (laughs) You couldn't have said it better. And it's, it's almost like, um, yeah, when we stay in that childlike juvenile state and allow ourselves to actually believe those thoughts that come around with those feelings that we have deeply buried inside us, we create lifestyles around them. Like, Oh well, I'm I'm not worthy of love, so I must be uh, really successful, or I must, you know, be really beautiful, or you know, wear a lot of makeup, or wear designer clothes, and then I will be worthy of love because that's what I, you know, interpreted from my the unlove that I received, or the not enough love that I received, or that I think I had in childhood. It's so. Yeah our minds just make up all of these interesting stories and it may just be that a parent was, you know, busy or there, there may have been a time where they turned away. And I bet you see this a lot in your, your counseling practice and in your personal life as
1: well. It is like almost every single person it shows up for in some way, you know, their story is different, but at the core of it, it's like, I'm not worthy. I wasn't wanted. And all of these just continue to create that void again. But at the same time that I think that's where the resilience piece comes in, right? Because you are resilient. You created this version of yourself that did then start to meet your own need of feeling acceptance by being a perfectionist, by being a workaholic,
0: Wow. Yeah, you actually created a way to to earn that love, whether it was internal or external. Um, Yeah, I found that really profound when you said that. And um, usually the fourth question I ask people is how or when were you drawn to practice resilience? Was it when you became pregnant with your son? Or did you actually have other tools you were tapping into before that?
1: That's a good question. You know, I, I do think, again, it comes back to like, we, we've all been using resilience tools our whole lives, but are they are they adaptive or are they maladaptive, right? Are they the positive ones or are they maybe not the healthy resilience tools? So I'm gonna say in terms of the positive resiliency tools, um, I, you know, I think of exercise has always been a form for me of not just physical, but mental health. So I will say I did use that for quite a long time in my life um, to, to manage that and to build resiliency. But if I'm very honest with myself, yeah, I would say it wasn't until I had my son that I really started to recognize that I wasn't actually taking care of myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: in order to build resiliency, to, to show up as a different, better person, Not just for my son, but more importantly, learning that I needed to do it for me, for my own self-love, that he needed to see that piece too, was when I started to build the various practices.
0: Wow, that is really beautiful. And I'm just so grateful that you really stepped into that and that he is able now to grow up and to truly see this, to see you as this strong embodiment of resilience and shining light for your community. And um, you speak in such a beautiful and real way so that other people can really relate. And I'm just so grateful um, for that process. Yeah, thank you. Um, And then usually the last question I ask people is, what do you think the world needs right now to be more resilient?
1: Mm. I think we need compassion you know, compassion, first of all, for ourselves, right, that recognizing that we all have been through a lot collectively as humanity dealing with COVID and all of the negativity that's come around that, but then also compassion for other people, understanding, you know, and and empathy, even compassion and empathy for other people and understanding what they've gone through and, Maybe it's not your view or your path or your journey, but, but appreciating and respecting that it's their path and their journey and having compassion for what they're going through. You know, if everyone had just a bit more compassion in this world, it would be such a beautiful place.
0: Mm, wow, what a profound thing to say to end this podcast. And I could not agree with you more. The more I learn about compassion... The more I feel that it would change and improve the entire world if we all took a little bit of time to chew on it and study it and practice it and come together and commit to it. It's so powerful. So, thank you so much for that, for your own resilience and your own journey that you're willing to share with us so that that we can grow and be resilient as well. And I'm just wondering where people can find you. If people want to access your counseling or any of your beautiful healing practices, uh, where can people find you?
1: Absolutely. Um, So yes, I, I am on Instagram. You can find me at counseling with Sabrina. You can also find me and my new business partner, Sarah on aligned and unfiltered. And I will just give you a snip on that. That is a, a new company that we are really, it's just in its infancy. And it started with the foundation of us wanting to expand beyond what a counsellor can offer to clients. And the, the aligned and unfiltered came from us having these really open Dialogue with one another about where we're at in our lives and how relatable the things that we are going through are to other people, and how we can utilize our counseling skills and our life experiences to help more people. And so then the unfiltered part comes in with, you know, in counseling, you do want to really maintain that professional boundary with clients. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I am in my authentic truth, when I can speak exactly the way I want to speak. And so for me, that comes a lot of the time in the form of swearing like a trucker. (laughs) (laughs) And just being really real with people. And, And I do, I've started to step into really understanding that that's where my value is, is that I can help the most people in the world by really being who I am, and not wearing sort of my counselor mask.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And yeah, so so the Aligned and Unfiltered right now, again, is just in its infancy. There's a lot of good content on there, and we're going to continue adding to that. But ultimately, we're looking to build a community to help women heal and be resilient and grow into who they want to be there's going to be guided meditations there's going to be um, different online course offerings in-person healing sessions we've got big big plans for it so you can find me at both wow. and then counseling with com as well okay website. sabrina yeah. thank
0: you so much and thank you for being willing to step outside of some of the constructs that were i think originally created to support the practices but I think some of these practices counseling um, I find nursing a lot of healthcare practices they're now being outgrown and people are ready to offer more and I'm really excited that you're offering this through Aligned and Unfiltered and I will post all of this in the notes of the podcast and again I just want to say thank you so much for everything that you're doing and for being here and sharing it with us today it is such an honor to hear you speak and to um just be inspired to come forward as our true selves you served as a reminder for me and I know you will definitely allow that for the listeners as well I feel like my shoulders are and yeah thank you so much and I'm really excited to
1: connect with you again yeah Yes, thank you for having me. I feel so humbled and grateful that that you've offered me to come and, and share my story and my thoughts with the world. So I appreciate that so much.
0: Oh, wonderful. We will cross paths again soon, Sabrina.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Nikita. Have a great day.
0: You've been listening to the I Am Resilient podcast. If you would like to get involved with I Am Resilient, Use the hashtag IamResilient to tag your stories, tools, and practices on your Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Until next time, may you be well.